Can I have a 700, please? Yes, you're going to give me 700. Hello and welcome in to the 700th episode of this, The Y'all Show, broadcasting on great stations across the Southeast and on podcast options across the whole world. We are a program that is putting the South front and center each and every day. And sure enough, we got this thing going back in 2018. Many, many thanks to our flagship station, WTJS FM 93.1, for being our home back in 2018 when we got up and going. And you know what? That flagship station continues to be the home of the Y'all Show here in 2023. Thank you for all who have tuned in our show over these five years and 700 episodes. And thank you for continuing to give your boy, John Rawl, a chance to sit here and talk about what's going on in the Southeast today. Before we get out of here today, I'm going to try to pull up some audio from our original broadcast back in June of 2018. A lot of things have changed since 2018, but you know what? In five years, I'm still sitting here talking about the South, and I appreciate you giving me 700 opportunities to do just that. We are, y'all, we're powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage, and check it out. We've got some great stories we've just added, and we've got more great stories coming to y'all.com. So hope you're doing well. It is the last day of November. Wow. Just think about that for a second. We are right here on the doorstep of December, and St. Nick will be here in a handful of days. That is rather amazing. So we we, we have a great 700th episode of y'all coming your way. We've got headlines from across the southeast. We've got, you know, we're, we're kind of in a celebratory state today. And in honor of our 700th episode, I'm going to try to give you some mostly positive stories to talk about. There's no reason to get all depressed when we're celebrating 700 y'all shows, okay? So, first of all, how about the fact that gas prices seem to be coming down a little bit? Maybe this Bidenomics is actually working. We will talk about gas prices around the southeast and more. Plus, we've got some big records being broken across the southeast when it comes to wildlife A man in North Carolina has claimed the state record for a fish caught off of the coast of North Carolina. Did it off of Moorhead City. I'll let you know how this Yankee from Massachusetts has one heck of a big fish story to tell as he caught a whopper of a Almaco Jack. I think it's the pronunciation. I've never caught one of these fish, but it was a big one there in North Carolina here in the last couple of days. And I will tell you about that. And if you think that story there is pretty fascinating, how about a Mississippi man who has now captured, it looks like, the largest deer in Mississippi's history, a humongous monster deer, just what every fellow, every hunter is looking for, and it looks like one Mississippi hunter around the Natchez area has pulled in the state record for White-tailed deer. Yummy, yummy, yummy. If you into deer meat, that guy's got a lot for you to choose from. So those are some wild and, and fun stories to tell you about. How about a story coming out of the billionaire financial world? And we'll get to that story today. So Warren Buffett of Omaha, his company Berkshire Hathaway, 
is now claiming that Tennessee's own Haslam family offered bribes at a Knoxville dinner, and that was to inflate pilot truck stops' earnings. What in the heck is that all about? Of course, this week, Warren Buffett's right-hand man passed away at the age of 99. Maybe that's why this story coming out, not totally sure. We'll get to that headline today. Plus, we've got some food news in our headlines across the southeast today. Subway is going to start offering foot-long, get this, foot-long cookies (laughs) at select Subway restaurants. You can start seeing these things pop up. Now, that's pretty wild. I've got some Subway uh, gossip. That would be the best way to describe it. I've got some Subway food gossip to share of my own here when I get to that headline on today's y'all show. Also, we're just now less than a month away from Christmas. And to tell you about Christmas and to get you ready about the Yuletide, I've got some holiday shipping deadlines that you might want to write down and put it on the fridge. Because if you're trying to ship out some stuff and get it to your loved ones in time, You need to pay attention to what I'm going to tell you because I've got the shipping deadlines for UPS, the Postal Service, as well as FedEx, and all of that will be delivered to you free of charge, and I'll get it to you before Christmas. I'll do all of that right here on today's Y'all Show. And then one other thing I was going to tell you, you knew it would happen. It was even referenced in the SEC Shorts video over the last couple of days, the big football play. The, the grave digger fourth and 31 play that Alabama used to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl this past weekend. Uh, you knew this would be coming if you live in the state of Alabama. Yep. Artist Daniel Moore is going to put that to canvas, that whole scene of a fourth and 31. And, um, yeah, if you've ever been in Alabama, you've seen Daniel Moore's artwork all over the place. It's... Um, it's just one of those traditions in the state of Alabama. Normally, most of his work is Crimson Tide focused. I think he's got a few Auburn-centric works. But other than those two schools, I don't think he really gets into anything else. And you know what? Daniel Morris had a heck of an art career painting football scenes from Alabama and Auburn. Yep, Gravedigger coming to life with the uh, famous 4th and 31 arrow through the heart of Auburn fans during the Iron Bowl. Speaking of college football, Kiefer Ingles will be dropping by today as it is Thursday, and we're going to get his take on these conference championship games, which will be taking place today. Kiefer dropping by in hour number three today. In our first hour today, we've got not just the news, but we've got all the country music gossip. And congratulations to Darius Rucker. We've got some news on the South Carolina native, plus, hey, he's got quite an honor coming to him. Not bad from a guy from Hollywood. Mr. Hollywood, South Carolina, that's his hometown. It's a nice little community south of Charleston. Uh, The guy from Hollywood is going to be honored in the other Hollywood. That's right, Darius Rucker, the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish and now a successful country music singer and Grand Ole Opry member. Rucker is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I'll tell you about that in our country music news and notes today. Plus, Hardy has a tribute to Joe Diffie forthcoming, and I'll let you know about that in our gossip from Music City. That's just ahead. Plus, before this hour is up, we've got our Southern Political Report. 
And the big debate is today, I know you can't wait for Sean Hannity to do this, but sure enough, on this Thursday, the governor of Florida is going to go up against the governor of, not former governor of South Carolina, who's running against him in the Republican primary. No, Ron DeSantis is going to have a debate on Fox with Gavin Newsom, Democratic governor of the state of California, who's not even running for office, at least nationwide, not not at least yet. And uh, that's going to be taking place this evening. Why is this happening? We'll explain in our Southern Political Report coming up later in this opening hour of the Y'all Show. Hour two today, we've got travel, we've got festivals in the South on our mind, and we're going to tell you about oysters in the Commonwealth of Virginia that's being celebrated this weekend, and pecans celebrated in the natural state of Arkansas this weekend. All that coming up, hour number two. We also have in our final hour of the Y'all Show, besides Kiefer dropping by to talk about college football championship games this weekend and an update on the FCS playoffs as round two of that postseason event goes on this weekend. We've got hashtag hullabaloo and we've got somebody out talking about the best Southern food cities. Is your city on the list of this fellow who has made a big deal of what Southern cities deserve to be recognized for great food? We've got all that discussion coming up on today's Y'all Show. And again, you can join us here on the program about the South. We've got our email address, mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L.com, mail at y'all.com. And our text line open at 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. Let's dive into that top headline of the day real quick, and that has to do with the cost of gas as we've got southern states now having gas below $3. I'm seeing some gas prices even below $2.50. That ain't bad, y'all. And so we've got those prices coming down just in time for Christmas as gas prices have fallen or remained steady since mid-September. And that marks a 70-day trajectory of a decline, according to a spokesperson for AAA As of Tuesday, the national average for gas prices stood just below $3.25, and that's down $0.25 from a month ago and $0.30 less than this time in 2022. Experts point to a recent decline in oil prices and a seasonal dip in demand for the reason gas prices are going down. So giving you a kind of glance over of gas prices around the country and who has the cheapest well who has the most expensive no surprise california mr gavin newsom's state the cost average for a gallon of gas in the land of wackos four dollars and 88 cents in california hawaii checking in at 472 washington state 434 now as far as the states that have had the cheapest gas prices in the land Congratulations to the Lone Star State. Tuesday's AAA average shows that the Lone Star State has a gas price of $2.71 per gallon average. Not bad, Texas. Mississippi's checking in at $2.76, and the Peach State of Georgia at $2.79 per gallon on average across those three states in the South, leading the country 
again, according to AAA. But gas prices coming down, and that's a very, very good thing for all of you like myself who hits the road quite a bit, and I'm tired of paying $50 for a, a fill-up for my little tiny car. I like the days where you could fill up for 20 bucks or less. That was a good thing. Now, I think an average fill-up for me is around 35 to $40, sometimes 40 but I do remember when it was closer to 20 and you, you, you do as much traveling as I do and it starts adding up. And I, I do think I'm going to have gas prices on my mind when I go in and cast my vote in 2024. How about you? How about you? Are you okay paying big time money for gas? <laughs> All right. Good for you. We've got more headlines. We will be getting to on this Thursday y'all show when we come back we're going to take you to Music City USA we've got all the country music news and again a big kudos to Darius Rucker as he's going to be honored on the Hollywood Walk of Fame I will give you all the latest on that and other Rucker news as we continue on we'll even have some Darius Rucker music to bring us back from break all right here on the y'all show We're back on the Y'all Show and an opportunity now to tell you about all the goings-on of the Nashville country music world. And How about Hollywood, South Carolina's native son, Darius Rucker? He has some big news going on. He's also opening up in recent days as Darius is now talking about his divorce. As he wrote, never been over about his divorce. That's a new song that's come out from Darius Rucker. He recently sat down with Apple Music Today's country radio, Kelly Bannon. And he said, you know, being raised the way I was and where I was, that's not always, and in the black community especially, that's frowned upon a lot too. He's talking about divorce. But I learned that there's a lot of people out there that'll talk to you, that'll help you a lot. Rucker and his ex-wife Beth were married for 20 years before they announced that they were splitting up on social media back in 2020. And he actually met Beth when she worked at MTV in New York. And he, of course, was the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish. And she was someone there in the building at 
MTV, I think it was, and they uh, they met and they were married all the way up until 2020. But of course, they've got kids and now they are split. So they've got a 22 year old daughter and an 18 year old son. And so tough times for anybody that's been divorced, but especially if you've got uh, kids and been married a long time and Darius, like a lot of people that are in the music business, like himself can take that heartache and it may take a little, little time, but ultimately it comes out in song and that's what you've got now in this new song. Never been over a new tune about his divorce. And I'm looking forward to hearing that one from Darius. Now, some more positive news from the Low Country's own Darius Rucker. The Gamecock himself is going to get a star not in Hollywood, South Carolina, although there probably should be one there in his hometown. He, you know what? I'm, I'm saying he's from Hollywood. He's really, I think he's from Ravenel. I, somewhere they're, they're right down the road from each other, just off of US 17 in Charleston County is where we're talking about. Savannah Highway, specifically, if you are in that area. Uh, Darius Rucker, congratulations to the great singer as he's going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in Los Angeles. Posting that this will happen. You can watch it live Monday, December 4th, as it will be unveiled at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Hollywood time there. You can go watch Darius get his Hollywood star by going to the website walkoffame.com and the specific location of where Rucker's Hollywood star will be placed is at 7065 Hollywood Boulevard. 7065 Hollywood Boulevard is where you can see Rucker get a Hollywood star. Congratulations. And look, this this guy here was, I would say, one of the real faces of music in the 1990s. I mean, Hootie and the Blowfish was massive in the pop-slash-rock world throughout the entire 90s. When they, they hit roughly 1995 with Hold My Hand and other songs, they were awesome. And I'm not even a pop-rock kind of guy, and I realize that I have some connections back to the Palmetto State with these guys, but I never saw them in concert going through college. I mean, I didn't, I I heard of them, but they didn't draw me out there. But when I heard Hold My Hand and I Only Want to Be With You, those are some, those are some great songs. That album that they first came out with, and heck, I, I might even know it off the top of my head, and this has been 30 years since that album debuted, and I didn't buy the album. But I sure enjoyed hearing hearing it. And and so I'm sitting here thinking that first album, I believe, was called Crack Rear View. And I'm, I'm double-checking. Again, it's been 30 years. But, yeah, that thing came out in July 5th, uh, July 5th, 1994. That, that is indeed the debut studio album from Hootie and the Blowfish on Atlantic Records. Yes, my brain is still working. And again, I can brag because I didn't even buy this record. The only reason I even know the name of this record is because anytime you saw a Hootie and the Blowfish music video, it would have said album Crack Rear View. 
And boy, was it a, a great debut for Darius and his bandmates there from Hootie and the Blowfish. In fact, let me tell you, this thing sold 10.2 million copies, becoming one of the best-selling best albums of all time with the songs, the singles specifically that came out of this record, Hold My Hand, Let Her Cry, Only Want to Be With You, Time, and then Drowning also came out there. So, yeah, that was, I mean, 10 million records sold off of that debut from Hootie and the Blowfish. And I remember they did a big concert at their alma mater, and they brought in Radney Foster for a MTV concert. And I thought that was awesome. If you don't know who Radney Foster is, he had some success as a country music duet with Radney Foster and Bill Lloyd back in the late 1980s. But then Radney got his own record deal on Arista Records, and he started having some big success in the early 90s with Nobody Wins and other big songs like that. But Darius Rucker specifically was a big fan of country music, and he loved Radney Foster. And so when they had that big MTV concert, sort of their first uh, massive concert on MTV, they had Radney Foster come down and appear at the horseshoe on that uh, on that concert. And I thought that was awesome for this big rock band to give country music a nod back in that uh, mid-1990s time frame. So knowing all that, that's why as great of a success as Hootie and the Blowfish was with 10 million records sold. What does Darius Rucker do? He ends up moonlighting as a country music artist, and he's done extremely well on that front. Darius has had several big hits, number one songs, member of the Grand Ole Opry. Not bad for a 57-year-old guy from Charleston, South Carolina. And by the way... He's a black guy in country music. Not too many of those. Charlie Pride still probably has the uh, title of king of black country music stars, but Darius is right there nipping on country Charlie Pride's heels with the success, at least. And so kudos to Rucker with all the country music success that he's had over these last 15 years, I guess it's been, since he made his debut with big country music songs and more. And that's why when Monday comes around, he's going to get a star on that Hollywood Walk of Fame, and it is much, much deserved. In fact, someone out there in California says, the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce is thrilled to honor the very talented Darius Rucker. I think he will be happy to know that his mentor and friend, Charlie Pride star, is a few feet away from his star. How about that? And you know, I was in L.A. several years ago, and I saw Charlie Pride star, so I kind of know where this thing is going to be out there in Tinseltown. And so great, great to hear that that's going to be right there on the uh, plaza there for people to see. And I didn't realize it's been now 11 years since Rucker was inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. So this is not a new thing. He's been he's – been, uh, He's been kicking it for a while. He's had 10 number one songs in country music. That ain't bad for Mr. Hollywood slash Ravenel, South Carolina. (laughs) It's native son. Way to go, Darius.
All right, one more country music news and note to tell you about. Hardy, he is out of Philadelphia, not the one in Pennsylvania, but the one in Neshoba County, Mississippi. Hardy is going to be doing something pretty cool that I love to see this. He's going to do a Joe Diffie project, and he's going to do it with Post Malone and Morgan Wallen. As he has obtained Hardy selections of Joe Diffie's master recordings, he even took some of Diffie's vocals from songs and combined them with some of today's biggest stars. Hardy, with a quote that says, "It's going this this project quote It's going to be badass. I'm really excited about it." And he did all this with the grace of God and Joe Diffie's estate. Joe Diffie died from complications of COVID nineteen right when it first hit in 2020. And it was a, a terrible thing to lose Diffie, the singer of Pick Up Man and Prop Me Up Before I Die and John Deere Green and Home and all the other great songs that Joe Diffie, one of the great ones from Oklahoma, Joe Diffie was. And so check out the forthcoming project that's coming out early in 2024 from Hardy. It's called Hicks Tape, not Mix, but with an H. Hicks Tape Volume 3 Diff Tape. Again, it's Hardy. Morgan Wallen and others all saluting country music's crooner that we lost way too young, Joe Diffie. I'm looking forward to that. And you know what? Billy Bob loves Charlene, y'all. <laughs> all right, that wraps up our goings on in country music here on this Thursday Y'all Show. When we come back, we have an update on other items of the day and when we come back we've got those other items would be politics oh lordy what's going on between DeSantis and Gavin Newsom I'll fill you in I'm gonna love her on the radio she's gonna hear me everywhere she goes I'll get her back the only way I know I'm gonna love her on the radio Take these pieces of this broken heart And I'll watch him climb the country music charts Sing about I love the way it used to be Even if she don't love me I'm gonna love her on the radio gonna hear me everywhere she goes I'll get her back the only way I know but I'm gonna love her on the radio oh yeah from 1988 we were just talking about country Charlie pride sledge Mississippi's own and we just had to play a little Charlie Pride for you here on this Thursday. That was the last hit song Charlie Pride had. That one got to number 13 on the 16th Avenue Records imprint, which was a record company owned by Gaylord Entertainment, the company that owns Opryland and the Opryland Hotel and owned the Nashville Network and at one point owned the Country Music Television channel, of which a fellow that you are listening to now once worked for. Okay, Charlie Pride, great song there. 
And I'm going to love her on the radio. We're back here loving that you are listening to us on the radio, the Y'all Show. And also all of you catching us on our podcast options of Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and more. This is our 700th Y'all Show, and we sure, sure appreciate all of you who've taken the time to catch us here each and every day over these 700 episodes. Let's wrap up this hour of the program about the Southeast with a little political news of the day. And I would say, uh, is this the biggest story in politics today? Uh, you know what? Let me let me actually start with some hard news of what's going on in the world of politics. Because it was announced Wednesday that we lost Henry Kissinger at the age of 100. After he had such an influential career, really America's statesman for a long time, even though the 1970s, of which he was serving both Presidents Nixon and President Ford, he would often be the person that you'd go to for a comment, especially the media. This former Secretary of State and National Security Advisor, who as a kid escaped the Nazis in his native Germany and ends up coming to this country and for his adult life was a major player in world politics. Henry Kissinger dies Wednesday at the age of 100. And what a life. What a life and what an influence for this diplomat, political scientist, and just so, so, I guess, respected throughout the world. Of course, he was a Jew who had to flee Nazi Germany back in 1938. He would go on to graduate summa cum laude from Harvard in 1950. And then he would help play a role in foreign policy of the United States between 1969 and 77. A big part of his career was dealing with the Soviet Union, as well as President Nixon reaching out to the People's Republic of China during his tenure as president and well-respected, although some would say his legacy is a polarizing subject in politics as he's been widely considered to be an effective Secretary of State, but condemned for oftentimes looking the other way to war crimes committed by American allies. For example, what was going on in South Vietnam and more. Kissinger received the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize, so a Nobel Peace Prize winner in Heinz Alfred Kissinger, born in Bavaria back in 1923. And again, at 100 years old, he passed away on Wednesday. The great Henry Kissinger. One other story going on right now. We're going to, looks like, going to have a vote in Congress Friday for George Santos, the fast-talking fraud, it looks like, from New York State, the Republican congressman. I think he's going to get kicked out of office. I really do. Even though he has not been convicted of anything yet. But he's already announced he won't be running for re-election. There's been an ethics committee investigation on Capitol Hill into Santos. And it appears that there will be a vote. And it takes two-thirds of Congress to vote to expel him for him to be bumped from office. And... 
I was looking at a graphic earlier today, and there have been in modern times two congressmen who've been expelled by their own fellow members, and both of those congressmen were already found guilty before they were expelled. Then you go back to Civil War times, there were three congressmen who were kicked out of Congress because they served in the Confederate Army. So there's only been about five or six congressmen expelled by Congress. And in some ways, I'm kind of hoping this doesn't happen because George Santos, as creepy as as he is and as deceiving as it seems that he is, he still hasn't been found guilty. And we we need to be very careful to not kick people out of office if they've not been found guilty. Everybody has the right for due process. And Santos is is no exception. But that expulsion vote, and I think this is more than likely being pushed by a lot of Republicans. They see this guy as a cancer. He's not somebody that's going to help them be reelected in 2024 when they're trying to get their own seat back in Congress. And so they have no problem, it appears, sending Santos back to the Empire State. A lot of Republican super donors are now gathering and getting behind Team Nikki Haley as they're betting millions of dollars on the former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador, and they're doing this to help beat Trump. And Nikki Haley is being funded, of course, this week. Billionaire Charles Koch, he is a top uh, big donor in the Republican Party, and he's put his whole force Behind her, it looks like, as there was an endorsement this week from Americans for Prosperity Action to Nikki Haley. The question is, has she got enough oomph to get past Ron DeSantis first? Then what happens then if she goes up at that point with Trump? Is she going to be able to beat him in these upcoming primaries? Doubtful. Doubtful. Speaking of DeSantis, today is a rather big day for the Florida governor as he's going to have a debate, not with Nikki Haley, but with California Governor Gavin Newsom. It's a really odd thing that a current guy running for president of the United States, that would be DeSantis, is going to be having a debate with somebody who's not even running for, to my knowledge, not running for any office. Because he's already won his re-election in the Golden State and no reason for him to uh, necessarily jump into the political deep water right now that Joe Biden's leading the way for Democrats for that side of the aisle. So you've got a Republican presidential candidate in Ron DeSantis and a Democratic governor who some see as a potential presidential candidate going up against each other. Sean Hannity is going to narrate this thing. It will start at 9 Eastern on Fox, and it will be a 90-minute debate between DeSantis and Newsom. And it's going to be what I mean, I'm not worried about DeSantis. I, I'm just kind of curious, why would Gavin Newsom even be doing this? Does this not tick off? The Democrats in Washington that are behind Joe Biden, is this a way for Newsom to try to sheepishly put his pretty hair out there and his youthfulness out there to the 
country and for people to start saying, God, man, this Newsom guy, he's got his stuff together. I'm a big-time liberal, y'all, and, man, this guy can actually not fall down on stage. This guy can speak coherently. We need to be for Newsom instead of J.R.B. And is, is this tonight at this debate that starts at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, a chance for Gavin Newsom to go on a conservative network, in Fox that is, and show off his skill set that he is a much better statesman, if you will, and a much better communicator than the current Democratic head honcho, Joe Biden. This show, again, in primetime, is going to be taking over Sean Hannity's primetime show. You also can catch it on Fox News Radio, and it will also be streamed, if you don't have Fox News Channel, on foxnews.com. It's the Newsom-DeSantis debate. And so there, I, I kind of laid out the case for why DeSantis is doing that. I don't see it helping Joe Biden, but it does help Gavin Newsom. Does this help Ron DeSantis? You know, Ron DeSantis is, uh, I've got his headlines now buried after Nikki Haley headlines. And that's not a good thing if you're running for president. You already got a humongous uphill challenge with Donald Trump having the large lead that he has in polling. And for DeSantis, this could be a Hail Mary. This could be his only Hail Mary because I don't see too much positive coming out of this thing unless he just obliterates Gavin Newsom. And tonight we can see that DeSantis imagined him as the Republican candidate in 2024, what he would do if he were up against a Democratic challenger for president. We know he would destroy Joe Biden. Just about anybody would destroy Joe Biden on a debate stage. But a savvy person like Newsom, this is Ron DeSantis' chance. And again, you'll see this on Fox News Channel. You know, one thing, the reason this could be happening is at one point, the California governor challenged Florida's governor to a debate a year ago. And that was before the Florida governor had even started his run for president. And again, by doing this on this almost 1st of December day, California's Newsom, it's only going to further speculation that indeed he may want to be running for president. And it's not too late. It is not too late for Mr. Gavin to jump in there. It it would be really weird, though, if he were the Democratic nominee. And if Trump were the nominee <laughs> at debates that uh, they'll be attending against each other and Kimberly Guilfoyle will be in the audience. That's Donald Trump Jr.'s lady friend. And, of course, she is the ex-wife of Gavin Newsom. I think they even have kids together. That would be rather strange, don't you think? What's not strange is we got more of the Y'all Show on our 700th episode. We've got hours two and three. It's going to be a party. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We've got festivals across the southeast that we're going to get to in hour two, so hang on for the fun.
It's the 700th episode of the show all about the South. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and welcome into the party. Party time across Dixie as we've been cranking out shows since 2018. And we couldn't have done it without all of y'all for joining us for the ride and all of our partners from advertisers to management to ownership to just everybody. The good Lord. We couldn't have done it without the good Lord giving us the strength and direction to come in and do shows 700 times over. And we got lots more coming. So just wanted to point that out. Welcome in again. It is a party here on this Thursday as we wrap up the month of November on the show all about the Southeast. In this second hour of our program, we've got more headlines going on across the Southeast that we'll jump into, including some big records, a fish record in North Carolina and a big old buck that goes down in Mississippi. We'll give you the measurements in our headlines across the Southeast here in hour number two. And we've got festivals on our mind as we've got a lot of fun stuff, mostly holiday-related happening across the southeast this weekend it's our festive south feature and we're going to be telling you about a great little oyster event in virginia this weekend and in arkansas it'll be all about pecans and we'll let you know where to go to if you want to have some arkansas pecans this very weekend all that is our festive south it's coming up in just a few minutes before we get out of here in hour number two we got a preview of what's posted at y'all.com, the South's homepage. And I just actually posted a couple of stories up in the last 24 hours on y'all.com that are worth checking out. I'll tell you more about those brand new features a little bit later. To join us on the fun, you can join us on the Y'all Show via email. Email us anytime, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. And then we have our 24-hour-a-day text line open for you, 615 615- 208-4184-615-208-4184 would love to get your feedback and more got a text here a sweet text that we appreciate somebody sending us in it says as we're celebrating our 700 episode today texter says happy 700 my friend can't wait for 1400 to come along well thank you very much for that and we do appreciate the kind words and Yeah, go back. You know, one of the things that we do on this show is we turn every show into a podcast. So we've got every one of our episodes up on all these podcast options that I've told you about. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes. And we've had unbelievable guests throughout these five years and 700 episodes. And so please go back if you get a chance to to listen to some of our interviews And many of these podcast options, you can kind of search episodes and find guests and whatever else you're looking for specifically. I know you're not tuning in to hear me, and I don't blame you, but but we do have a pretty good variety of of interviews, and, and a lot of our interviews have been video, and you can find some of those video interviews at y'all.com. I mean, one of the last ones that are up there is my interview I did, I believe it was sometime last year, with Bill Dance. And had a great time. I even put on a Bill Dance hat. That big orange T hat that he wears. I even have that on that interview that we did with Mr. Dance. Not all that long ago. So check it out. Again, Texter, thank you for the very kind words that you've sent here on this special day. And you know what? Texter, in case you weren't around and listening to us back on June 18th of 2018, 
That is the day that the Y'all Show made its debut on the airwaves of WTJS FM 93.1. And I thought that, you know, since it's our 700th episode, I'm going to indeed go back into the archives. And so I've got a little clip here from that very first day that we got up and going on our flagship station of what's now Super Talk 93.1, Conservative Talk for West Tennessee. Here is some of that first episode that we did way back on June 18th of 2018. It's episode number one, a little sample of the Y'all Show. Welcome to the all-new Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl, and it is my pleasure to sit in as the host of the Y'all Show, the show all about the South. We cover 16 southern states, and we will discuss music, sports, politics, food, culture, just about anything to do with the South. You can find it right here on the Y'all Show. It'll be a whole lot of fun each and every day as we broadcast for two hours on a network of stations across the Southeast. And it will be a show that you will not want to miss. And you will want to share with your friends and family. We'll tell you all about it as we continue on with the show, The Y'all Show. And welcome in to this first Y'all Show ever in the books. I'm John Rawl again, and thank you so much for being a part of our All Dixie Show. As we discuss all things Southern, if you have a little y'all in your accent, well, this is the place to be. Y'all talk with a Southern All right, accent. that again is a little bit of our debut episode from June 18th of 2018. You know, have I improved in my hosting skills since back then? I, I'm not sure, but I'm kind of saying the same stuff, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I had a different theme song back in those days. But thank you again. That was our first episode and just a, a ride down memory lane for a second as we're happy to still be here five years later. You know, we were doing this show pre-COVID. We made it through COVID. We've had times where we've been off the air for a while. Come, We've come back. We've been Lazarus and, and Lazarus and re, re-emerging back on air, different stations, uh, putting up with a lot. But you know what? We're still here because we love the South and we love y'all, not just y'all.com but we love y'all as in use guys and we appreciate the honor it, it really is an honor to sit here and fill you in on what's going on across the south each and every day let's jump into a few headlines here for this second hour of the y'all show before we scoot over and cover all of the goings on in terms of festivals that'll be taking place this weekend Texas is a place that you can find some cheap gas right now. Did you realize that gas prices are indeed falling? And Texas is among the cheapest states in the country with an average gallon price of $2.71. That's the lowest in the country. Mississippi, average price, two seventy six. Georgia coming in at two seventy nine. Most of our southern states are hovering $3 or less. That according to AAA. Highest gas prices in the golden state of California. The reason for the lower gas prices, well, demand also is a uh, issue right now, and demand this time of year is often down, and that helps contribute to the lowering of prices. But also, 
you have a, and this is a seasonal dip, and then you've got easing inflation going on to, according to AAA. But if you need some cheap gas, Texas might be where you want to go. Although I've seen prices in a couple of southern states in the last couple of days less than what this is being reported as an average price in Texas. They've got 271. I think I filled up the other day for 240 something. But you know what? I'm not going to tell you where that was because I don't want you to go there and flood the place and then they run out of gas. I like that cheap gas. And I'm still optimistic that we're going to see a dollar gas again. You know, back in the Trump era, how wonderful that was. <laughs> I guess it would have been sometime in 2020. I I think the cheapest I got gas was about a dollar oh seven, but there was a place not far from me that was offering a dollar gas one day, and I I just didn't need to get gas that particular day, but it was way down there, dollar seven or so for for a brief time, and I miss those days. Could we have those days back? Texter here says I filled up for two forty nine. In Holly Springs, well, that's Marshall County in North Mississippi. And you know what? I have filled up in that town many, many times, and you're right. It's cheap. But you know what? If you're really wanting cheaper than that, you need to head just down what's now Interstate 22 to Sherman, Mississippi. And that might be the cheapest gas that you can find. That's only about 10 miles out of Tupelo, and they got a place called Wild Bills there. I don't mind telling you because I think the whole world knows about Wild Bills. Every time I go by there, it's every gas pump has somebody waiting there. But Wild Bills is usually about 20 cents cheaper than any place around. So it wouldn't surprise me if Wild Bills is coming in around 230-something right now in Sherman, Mississippi, Pontotoc County, by the way. But I love our cheap gas, and, you know, I'm on the road a lot, and – you know, uh, I don't mind telling you that if I see cheap gas or areas that have cheap gas, I'll call you out on the y'all show. I'll I'll brag on you because, in my opinion, our gas prices kind of should be about the same everywhere, don't you think? And so, there's no reason for a gas price to be two forty nine in Marshall County, Mississippi, and then twenty miles up the road. Even in the same state, it might be over $3. There's no reason sometimes you see gas prices be, let's say, two forty nine at one place, but across literally across the road, it's 20, 30 cents higher. Makes no sense. I can't imagine anybody going in and, and buying the, the more expensive gas, but I guess people do it. They just don't care. They don't pay attention. Maybe it's these people working for the government who have their little government car and government card to pay for the gas, and it makes no difference what the gas price is. I, I'm i just kind of spitballing here. I, I don't know, but thank you, Texter, for pointing out that uh, very affordable gas there in Holly Springs. And I, I bet you, I bet you there's a very high chance you got your $2.49 at the new pilot truck stop there <laughs> you know why because they do have decent uh, decent price gas and a good place to go in and uh take care of business but the other thing is there's a and we see this in several places across the southeast where gas stations put up a price for gas 
but then it flashes different prices. You got like a club price, a, a cash price, and that's what's happened in that town. You've got a couple of gas stations, uh, I think they're under the name Cousins, that are, uh, I would say, almost tricking you to pull in there because they've got the cheapest price listed first. But you got to be a member of their so-called club to get that price. And I think that club means you, you have a credit card with that company, something along those lines. I first started seeing those kind of crazy things when I was visiting Hilton Head many years ago. And I'm a cash guy. A lot of times when I go in and pay for gas, I pay with cash. And they wouldn't even give me the cheapest price when I was paying for cash. That doesn't make any daggum sense. Who who doesn't want cold, hard cash? Speaking of that, let me get away from talking about gas prices for a minute. So a coworker of mine, we, we went to lunch Wednesday. She she tricked me into going to lunch, okay, because I didn't even need to go to lunch. But she wanted somebody to join her, and I'm the nice guy. So we go to this awesome place for lunch, and I didn't even get lunch. I got a cookie and a drink. cost me over 7 bucks for a cookie and a drink, but it's a cool place, and I enjoyed it. And she eats, and, and when she's done, she says, well, I, I want ice cream. And this place didn't have ice cream. She wanted me to take her over 10 minutes down the road to a Sonic to get ice cream. And I just said, no. And, and by the way, this is just a coworker, and that's all it is. <laughs> but I said, I'm not taking you 10 minutes to go get ice cream. I said, you know, right here where we are, if I'm in a pinch and I need ice cream, I go down here to the gas station and I get the ice cream cone out of the freezer that they have there in the station. And I like it. It's a really good frozen ice cream treat that you can get. It'll set you back about $4, but I like it. And it sure beats having to drive 20 minutes to go get ice cream at Sonic. And she agreed to do that. She agreed to go to the gas station and get that ice cream. She ends up switching at the gas station. Instead of getting ice cream, she got an ice cream sandwich, which is one of nature's greatest inventions, by the way. (laughs) But she got an ice cream sandwich. And I, I said, you know, usually I come by here about once a month and I get an ice cream cone and I get a scratch off ticket when I stop by this gas station. And she said, you know, I think I'm going to do that. So she gets her ice cream sandwich and her $5 scratch off and your friendly y'all show host got a scratch off ticket as well. I scratch off my thing, didn't win a penny. She scratches off her thing and she's like, I didn't win anything, which is pretty common when you have scratch offs, right? And I noticed her ticket. I said, you didn't even scratch off the four things on top that show you if you match. And she said, huh? And this is not a spring chicken, by the way, this person I'm talking about. This is a person that's been around the block. (laughs) And I said, you got to scratch those off and then compare. And she did that. And she had two matching numbers. She won $20 in what appeared to be her very first time ever having to scratch off. I'm over there. The reason she got it. Not winning a daggum thing. <sighs> you know, because sometimes life's just not fair, is it? And she got to eat an ice cream sandwich. But but one reason I'm even bringing the story up is that when she 
and I went to that gas station. She pulled out a old school $20 bill. The bank had given her a old school $20 bill that must be from 20 years ago. I, I'm actually surprised it's even still in circulation. So when she went in there and bought her lottery ticket and her scratch off, she gave the gas attendant that $20 bill and he gave her her change back. She goes out in the car. She discovers that she won $20. So she goes back in to get her money for the scratch off. And guess what? That same $20 bill, the old school 20 gets right back in her purse. So talk about circulation. There we have it. You know, I didn't deserve to win that scratch off because it wasn't our 700th celebration on Wednesday. Today's our 700. I bet you if I go back to that same fill them up place, I'm going to win big time. Don't you think? I do believe. Let's talk about other folks who are capturing big things, but maybe not financially big things. We got to give a special shout out to a guy named Matt Fratasio. He is a Yankee from Massachusetts. And dadgummit, these Yankees come south, and they often steal our women. They take our jobs. We need to build a wall between the north and the south, don't you think? Matt Fratasio comes down south here in the last couple of days, and he heads to Moorhead City in the Crystal Banks, I believe is the nickname of that area, section of North Carolina's coast. It's a beautiful spot. Beaufort. Moorhead City, just north of Wilmington, great place. Earlier in November, this Massachusetts man went fishing, and according to the North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries, Mr. Matt Fratasio caught a record fish off of the Crystal Coast. He caught a 26-pound, 15.6-ounce Almaco Jack fish. It measured 36.4 inches from nose to tail and had a 26-inch girth. He received this fish by fishing with a hoagie tuna rod, a Daiwa Saltus MQ-14,000 reel. He used live Menhaden as bait, and he had a 50-pound braid. I have no idea what I just said. If you're a, a deep sea fisherman, you're probably laughing your, your marlin off at me right now. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fisherman. Never been offshore fishing. But North Carolina officials say there was no state record of this fish, fish species. The state of Georgia's Almaco Jack record is 7 pounds, 0.7 ounces. Florida's is 35 pounds, nine ounces so that that florida record's pretty big 35 pound nine ounce for that fish down there this one was bigger as the north carolina fish 36.4 inches nose to tail for this massachusetts man reeling in a whopper of a fish a true fish tail now let me tell you a little bit real briefly about this type of fish the almaco jack and I may be totally butchering the name of this fish, but it's also known as the longfin yellowtail or the silver coat jack. A beautiful fish for sure. It almost looks like the Southern Tide logo that you see on 
polo shirts across the southeast. It might even be the inspiration behind that that shirt now that I think about it. But these are fish found off the waters of the southeast. And they have a um, great, great fan base of those who fish, the sport fishermen who like to go in deep waters. They're subject to skin-based parasites. You can say that they remove them by rubbing against the rough skin of passing sharks. Woo! These almacos intentionally go find sharks and rub up against them. They are also known to rub against passing scuba divers because they think they're sharks. They spawn as often as weekly throughout the entire year. They're rather active, you could say. This fish, again, found in the waters of the southeast, offshore at least. And um, one thing about them, the flesh is thick and dense and like tuna, easily maybe passed off for white albacore, which is a fish that's used to prepare sushi. I don't know if you can make sushi out of this particular long fin yellowtail or not, but um, hey, great news that this fisherman, even though a yank, looks like he's got one heck of a fish tail to tell. Let me tell you about a deer hunter that's got one heck of a tail to tell. This comes to us from the state of Mississippi. As a hunter was standing on a tree branch eating snacks, not having a good time. He had been hunting and hadn't seen a deer all day. And before he decided to head to the house, this deer hunter ends up shooting what is believed to be the state record buck for Mississippi. A huge, huge deer for Trace Felter. He's from Macomb, and he shot a buck that is unofficially gross scored over 220 inches, and it may be the state record. 220 inches is the size of this deer. I don't know how you... um, necessarily (laughs) how you necessarily measure deer. I thought it was all based on the horns on their uh, rack. But this deer was actually shot in Adams County, which is where Natchez is. And Mr. Felter went there to hunt and he goes there every day and sometimes twice a day, depending on obligations. He's a serious deer hunter. And uh, he ends up shooting this deer. And I'm still looking for the count on how many daggum horns this thing's got his rack, but it's a big one. It's a big one. Okay, here we go. 19 point deer. It has double brow teens or tines, 14 inch G twos and 13 inch G threes. You know, I guess I'm out of the loop when it comes to hunting, but a huge, huge deer. 19-point deer down in the Natchez area, just uh, inland from the Mississippi River is where Natchez is. And Trace Felter, the Macomb guy who he said he would drive over there and hunt almost every day 
I wonder what kind of job this guy's got. I'll tell you what, he needs to be the next deer assassin because he's got one heck of a haul and one heck of a story to tell with this 19-point whopper of a deer that he took down in Natchez Town. And that wraps up our news headlines for this hour. See, I told you we'd have a fun 700 episode of Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. When we come back, we've got festivals across the Southeast that we will be jumping into. I'm going to tell you about some good ones. From Alabama to West Virginia, we got you covered, y'all. It's the show about Dixie, y'all. Kind of scared to interrupt Lester and Earl there. <laughs> Little flat and scrugs and orange blossom special. Welcome back. It's the Y'all Show. We've got a breakdown of festivals going on this weekend across Dixie. And little orange blossom special from Flat and Scruggs is a great way to tell you about the orange blossom review that's going on this weekend in Lake Wells, Florida. Check it out on Lakeshore Boulevard. That goes on. Friday and Saturday in beautiful Lake Wells, FLA. Can't wait to get down there and check that out sometime. Sounds like a wonderful, what would be a early December event this year in Lake Wells. Going on this weekend, speaking of bluegrass, in Wetumpka, Alabama, it's the Bluegrass Jam and Sit and Sew. <laughs> You're not going to get bored in Wetumpka this weekend. It's the Alabama River Region Arts Center is where this is happening on Tallahassee Street in Wetumpka. And this is Saturday morning. Check it out. Bluegrass Jam and Sit and Sew going on this weekend in Wetumpka. That is just to the north of Montgomery, I do believe. I believe there is a Porch Indian Casino just outside of Wetumpka, if memory serves me correct. How about in Eminence, Kentucky this weekend? Perfect for this time of year. You got the Dickens Christmas Festival at the Kentucky Renaissance Fair, and that happens this very weekend in early December. And that's at Elm Street in Eminence, Kentucky, the Dickens Christmas Festival. Annapolis, Maryland, that is the state capital of Maryland. That is the home of the United States Naval Academy. Go Middies, who get a 
I guess a big contest next week against the United States Military Academy. Go Navy, beat Army if you're there in Annapolis. Well, this weekend, you don't have to beat Army. You just got to beat back the temptation of chocolate because in Annapolis, Sunday from 10 to 4, it's the Annapolis Chocolate Binge Festival. (laughs) That sounds delicious. And that's going on this weekend, Chocolate Binge Festival. Festival, Annapolis, Maryland. Hey, that's almost as good as a cookie festival, y'all. And in Sweet Springs, Missouri, at Emanuel Lutheran Church, Saturday, it is the cookie festival taking place. Mm-mm. Some cookies and chocolate across the South this weekend. This weekend in Cookville, Tennessee, it is right there in Putnam County. You'll find at the fairgrounds in Cookville on Fairground Street, the Grinch Festival in Middle Tennessee in Cookville, home of the Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles, y'all. But this weekend, it's going to be more about Grinches as the Grinch Festival taking place this weekend. In Canova, West Virginia this weekend, it is the Possum Palooza Craft and Vendor Show in Canova, West Virginia at Buffalo Middle School. And I, I'm i going to do a quick, uh, a quick research project here. Because it didn't strike me when I first put this down on the ledger about Canova. But there is a high probability that Canova, West Virginia, is known for something more than what's going on there this weekend. Okay? And that's because... No, 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 no. I'm I'm wrong on that. Canova is in Wayne County. And that's where the Ohio and Big Sandy Rivers kind of there in Canova, West Virginia, not far from Huntington. Canova has a population of just over 3,000. What I was trying to come up with was, and, and I thought this could be the town, but I'm wrong, but it, I think it's a, a, a town that's got a very similar name to Canova. It's Nick Saban's hometown in West Virginia. So give me just a second. And let me pull that up because I think he is from a town in West Virginia that's got a K. No, he's from Fairmont. Oops. Fairmont, West Virginia is where Nick Saban was from. And he grew up there with his sister and graduated from Mananga High School in Mananga, West Virginia, which is, from what I remember, not far from Morganton, West Virginia, where WVU is located, right up on the Pennsylvania line is where Nick Saban's hometown is located. His daddy ran a gas station, and Nick was going to run that gas station before he got into coaching. I think he might want to stay in coaching, probably a little bit more money than running a gas station. But Canova WV is where this weekend you could go have a great time because that is where you'll have at Buffalo Middle School the Possum Palooza Craft and Vendor Show. That's Saturday there in the Mountain State. Blanco, Texas this weekend. It is the Festival of Texas Fiddling going on at Twin Sisters Dance Hall. And that's both Friday, Saturday, and, you know, just for good measure, they're going to have it on Sunday too. So some good Texas fiddling going on in Blanco, Texas this weekend with the Festival of Texas Fiddling for 2023. Some twin fiddles are hard to beat, y'all. Just go ask Bob Wills. <laughs> this weekend in Minko, Oklahoma, it is the Minko Honey Festival, and that's at the school there on 6th Street 
head on down and get you some honey. Honey? <laughs> this weekend in Ridgeland, Mississippi, just to the north of Jackson, the state capital, at the William Bill Waller Craft Center. It is the Chimneyville Arts Festival there in Ridgeland. Bill Waller was a governor of the state of Mississippi, and I didn't realize he had a craft center named in his honor. This weekend there, it is Chimneyville, which I'm pretty sure that was the original name for Jackson, Mississippi. I think I'm right on that. If not, it was some other little community right through there, and I think maybe one of the reasons it got its name was a lot of the uh, places got burnt right when the uh, Yankees came through in the Civil War, and so all that was left were a bunch of chimneys. I think I'm right on that legend. But this weekend, that name Chimney comes alive with the Chimneyville Arts Festival in beautiful Ridgeland there in Madison County, Mississippi. Going on this weekend at St. Simons Island in Georgia, it's the Georgia Elvis Festival at Epworth-by-the-Seas. And that's actually starting today and runs through Saturday. Elvis at St. Simons Island. What a combination. Thank you very much. This weekend in a town near Cabot, Arkansas. It is Keogh, Arkansas. And it's the Arkansas Pecan Festival. And Keogh is in Lone Oak County, Arkansas, which is Cabot is its county seat. Keogh is a metropolis of 256 folks. It is east of Little Rock. I'd say it's kind of on the edge of the Delta, but maybe not necessarily in the Delta of Arkansas. And Keogh, Arkansas, is known of, it's it's one of the natural state's largest pecan producers. It's got a rich history of farming in that area, cotton, rice, and pecans. And as much of the uh, surrounding region, agriculture is the driving economic force in the area around Keogh. And they've got uh, all these different types of farming going on in that section of the natural state. Soybeans, rice, cotton. They even have catfish farms in Keogh. But this weekend, it's all about the pecans. And in the Keogh Commercial Historic District this weekend, check it out. It's the Arkansas Pecan Festival, and that takes place Saturday in Keogh, Arkansas. Elsewhere, with some fun across the southeast this weekend, in Grand Cane, Louisiana, it's the Grand Cane Christmas Parade and Market, and that's Saturday. Grand Cane is in northwest Louisiana. It is not far from Shreveport. Population 191, by the way, in Grand Cane. And it's the hometown of women's basketball pioneer Linda Gamble, if you're familiar with her. Grand Cane, Louisiana, this weekend. It's the Christmas parade and market. And that takes place Saturday there in that section of the Pelican State. In Cary, North Carolina, this weekend, just outside of Raleigh, it is the North Carolina Chinese Lantern Festival. And that takes place at the Coca Booth Amphitheater on Regency Parkway in Cary. The North Carolina Chinese Lantern Festival. It will definitely bright up your day. And if it all goes as expected, it will brighten up your entire Christmas season. In Bluemont, Virginia this weekend, it's the Nomini Bay Oyster Festival. And that's at Dirt Farm Brewing. And that takes place both Saturday and Sunday. Now, Bluemont and Nomini Bay 
where these oysters are coming from, that is actually just off of the Potomac River. It's right on the Virginia-Maryland line where the Potomac River flows. It, this would be technically, if you're familiar with that area, it would be just across the Potomac River from over in Maryland, Point Lookout. And Nomini Bay, Bay is actually well up from the, I guess, the Chesapeake Bays. It, 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 it's, uh, it's a long way from the ocean, especially if you're in a, in a little boat, an oyster boat. And there in Bluemont, the Nobini Bay Oyster Ranch is the realization of lifelong friends and partners Paul Simpson and Jess Jones. They're from Manassas, Virginia, but they had a passion for oysters, and the environment around Virginia led them to buy, in 2016, the Nomini Bay Oyster Company. And you can go to their website and learn more about this company in Virginia, nboysters.com. And you can learn more about the Nomini Bay Oyster Ranch. And that is where at Dirt Farm Brewing, you can get their oysters and more. It's the Nomini Bay Oyster Festival. This would be a great time of year if you're an oyster lover to enjoy those right there along the Chesapeake. And and rather, not the Chesapeake, the Potomac. And going into the Chesapeake Bay but specifically in this little hamlet uh, of Bluemont, Virginia, this weekend. Should be a delicious time. And as we wrap up our fun across the southeast this weekend, we're going to take you to the IOP, and that would be the Isle of Palms, where this weekend, just outside of Charleston, the home of Wild Dunes and the home of uh, the John Rawl Summer School home for a couple of years there, just behind the uh, fire station The Isle of Palms is where I I set up shop for several years and had a wonderful, wonderful time with my late friend, Miss Hazel, who let me come in there and do a little studying, but a whole lot of goofing off and a lot of uh, going across the street over to the beach and hanging out at the Isle of Palms, one of the awesome places in the southeast, and I uh, love it, love it, love it. This weekend at IOP, it's the Holiday Festival on Front Beach. And you can find that at 1300 Ocean Boulevard in Isle of Palms, South Carolina. Just a great little spot, 20 minutes from downtown Charleston. Originally named, by the way, Isle of Palms, originally named Long Island. (laughs) I'm kind of glad they changed the name. We don't need any more Yankee places down here. But I think it was named after a person named Long, where the one in that other state called New York, I think, is named Long Island because it really is a long island. But have fun this weekend. Get your Christmas cheer on at the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. And that wraps up our great festive South feature of what's going on across Dixie this weekend. It ought to be one heck of a time if you can get out before all your Christmas shopping really kicks into high gear. Have a good festive weekend. We're going to wrap up this second hour of the Y'all Show when we come back. We'll give you a quick look of what's on the pages of y'all.com, the South's homepage. We'll do that when we return. Well, we've come to the end of our second hour on this, our 700 episode of the show that shakes the Southland, and we're powered in part by y'all.com. We encourage you to go to the South's homepage because we got some awesome stories posted there, including a brand new 
read from Marshall Bone. Marshall's been busy lately. He's got everyday style ideas to have on your radar in 2024. And go on there and read all about dressing your inner child and metallics. Is that going to be it? I mean, I saw a, a lady not long ago wearing a metallic skirt. You know what? It really kind of caught my eye. I'm sure that's the purpose of it. <laughs> but Marshall's got this great article up at y'all.com. Check it out. Everyday style ideas to have on your radar in 2024. He's got that one plus a bunch more at y'all.com. That wraps up our second hour. Hang on for more y'all fun. Back here, final hour on the 700th episode of our show that is all about Dixie. We're the Y'all Show. Thank you for celebrating. And if you get a chance to be somewhere today where you can have yourself a little piece of cake or ice cream to celebrate 700 episodes of the Y'all Show, then put it on my tab, okay? I'll be happy to pay for it. At least in kindness, I will. Uh Thank you so much. Now, we do appreciate you. And, yeah, take a moment to to reward yourself for being along with us all these 700 episodes. And we got, as a texter told me in hour number two today, we got another 700 or more coming again back at you as we highlight what's going on across the southeast in our own deep-fried way of doing it. John Rawl is my name. I am the general of all things Southern, and thank you for having General Rawl be your friendly southern voice for all these episodes and we got this 700 episode the final hour queued up and coming at you we got college football to talk about we got that as part of one of our headlines and i'll be sharing in just a sec but also Kiefer ingles dropping by with his preview of college football's championship weekend the sec will be decided you got the big 12 championship you got all kinds of fun on the gridiron this weekend, and even FCS playoffs continuing on this weekend. We, we'll break it all down with Kiefer. He does a pretty good job. I think he knows what he's talking about mostly when it comes to college sports, <laughs> and we'll do that with him in the next segment. Before we get out of here this hour, we're going to have hashtag Blue. This is where we go on social media and find great stuff. And someone is out listing the best southern food cities. So go ahead and make your list of the best southern food cities and send that to me mail at y'all.com or you can text us also at whatever way you want to text us and we'll get your list of the best southern food cities and compare it to what someone on social media sent our way of what they thought were the best southern food cities that's all coming up as part of our social media fun later this hour we call it hashtag hullablue and looking forward to sharing that with you right here in our final hour on this Thursday, y'all show. Hope you all are doing fantastic. Let's get into a handful of headlines before that Kiefer guy shows up here in a second. So wanted to let you know that there's a little bit of a, uh, 
billionaire battle going on as Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is now claiming that the Tennessee brother billionaire duo of the Haslam's, they offered bribes at a Knoxville dinner to inflate pilot truck stops earnings. And that's what Berkshire Hathaway is now saying. As it says in a statement out of Omaha, Nebraska, where Warren Buffett's company is based, that the Haslam's tried to bribe at least 15 executives at the pilot truck stop chain with millions of dollars to get them to inflate the company's profits this year because that would force Berkshire to pay more for the Haslam's remaining 20% stake in the company. Wow. The Berkshire claim is in a counter-lawsuit file this week that comes after the Haslam family, and that includes Jimmy and his brother Bill, Jimmy is not only the uh, big guy with pilot truck stops, but he's also the owner of the Cleveland Browns of the NFL. And then his brother, Bill, was the Chattanooga mayor at one time, but then he got elected two times as governor of the state of Tennessee. And the Haslam's have made a few uh, made a few dollars with pilot, the truck stops out there. And now this Berkshire claim... Coming out after the Haslam family, Jimmy and Bill accused Berkshire of trying to understate Pilot's earnings by changing it its accounting practices. So billionaires going after each other. I had a uh, really interesting discussion specifically about the Haslam's Wednesday. I had no idea this story would be even be popping up in our headlines today, but I was looking up their net value and Jimmy Haslam because who was I comparing them to well Donald Trump was one by the way Donald Trump's net value his estimated value is right around two billion dollars right now you may have thought it would be a lot more but his value according to most sources his net worth is Right around two billion. Jimmy Haslam has a net of eight point eight billion dollars. And then his brother Bill has a net worth there, the former governor. I mean, how about a former governor that's a billionaire? But that's what Bill Haslam's net worth is. He's got a five point seven billion dollar net worth. And he is one of the owners of the Nashville Predators hockey team, by the way. Bill is. And the current governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, I don't think he's a billionaire, but he's certainly uh, several times over a millionaire because he had a very successful heating and air conditioning business based out of Williamson County, I think, prior to getting to politics. So um, not a bad gig. If you can be governor of Tennessee, you're likely pretty pretty rich. And uh, Bill Haslam, 5.7 bill. And while I'm thinking about Tennessee millionaires, I was going to look up Bill Frist. Remember Bill Frist, the old um, senator for Tennessee, the doctor? He's done pretty well, too. Bill Frist's net worth, according to, let's see here. Come on. It didn't show up as easy as I thought it would. He's got a lot of money. I'm not seeing the actual number on there but let's see 
Wikipedia has something for Bill Frisch. You know, he hasn't been in the Senate for a long time, and he was really a guy that I thought could end up running for president at uh, at some point. He got out of Congress after the 2006 election. In fact, Bob Corker took over his seat as a U.S. senator. And and Frist is a still kind of a young guy. He's only 71 years young. Bill Frist of uh, the Nashville area, a Princeton and Harvard alum. But according to he's he's he's, he's I think he's 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 doing pretty well. I, I better not guess on his money. But I was also going to look up the Rivers family because I think they may be the richest folks in the Volunteer State. Martha Ingram net worth. Let's see if that pops up here in our intense research staff. It shows here that Martha Ingram has a net worth of 4.2. So if that's the case, maybe, just maybe. Okay. I'm seeing some other Tennesseans showing up. And it looks like Thomas Frist, who must be Bill's brother, has a net worth of $20 billion. That'd be pretty that'd be, that'd be pretty good. Thomas Frist, a billionaire physician and businessman, co-founder of HCA Healthcare, and he is the wealthiest person in Tennessee, a Nashville native and Vanderbilt alum. And um, yeah, Bill Frist is his brother. So the Frist name not doing too bad in terms of money and 20 bill is not a bad day at the office. So that's a, a little bit of, since we're on the subject of Tennessee billionaires, just wanted to throw that out there. I will feel like a billionaire if I can have one of these bad boys. It's our 700th episode of the Y'all Show. And did you realize that Subway is going to start offering footlong cookies at select locations? The company announcing that the cookies will be available nationwide in 2024, but some cities will get a chance to try them out before the official launch. So enjoy a foot-long cookie at Subway. And I'm actually a frequent visitor to Subway, and they put a lot of effort into their cookies. The Subway I go to, they are always making cookies. And here's some scandal, perhaps, in the Subway world, if you're a Subway person. I had a conversation with my friendly sandwich artist just the other day, and the sandwich artist leaked this to me and i'm, I'm going to just break it to you because i can't keep back my secrets <laughs> they told me that there's a very good chance subway might be ending those little pizzas that they have there and the subway that i was in no longer has mozzarella as a cheese option i mean what's going on with subway i mean i love their mozzarella on all kinds of different sandwiches I guess they're getting out of the mozzarella and pizza business and getting into the cookie business. Again, foot-long cookies coming to Subway's nationwide. Maybe not every single one of them, but it looks like most of them in 2024. If you want to ship something, you know, Christmas is coming just around the corner. If you want to ship some item soon, let me give you the holiday shipping deadlines for December. If you want to ship UPS ground the holiday deadline for that coming up for ground is let's see here i'm trying to zoom in on this bad boy 
It says to check UPS.com. Come on, that's not fun. To send UPS three-day selecting guarantee that it arrives by Christmas. December 19th is the day for that. For UPS for their second-day air deadline, December 20th, and then for next-day air, December 21st, you'll get it before Christmas with UPS. As far as the Postal Service, to ship something out to get it there by Christmas, the guaranteed Shipping date needs to be December 16th. That's for ground service. First class, December 16th. Priority mail, December 18th and December 20th for Priority Express. And for FedEx, FedEx's deadline for trying to get your holiday gifts in time to their destination, four-day for FedEx delivery is December 18th, three-day December 19th, two-day December 20th, and December 21st is the Next day, FedEx deadline for holiday shipping deadlines. And now that we're just about on the uh, start of December, pay attention. Pay attention because we want you to get your goodies off in time. And in our last news headline, Daniel Moore is going to get his pen and paper out and his paintbrush too. And Daniel Moore is indeed going to commemorate the 2023 Iron Bowl Grave Digger play. If you were watching CBS Saturday, Alabama in a miracle hit a 4th and 31 play, 4th and 31, basically 4th and goal from the 31, and Jalen Milrow with a Unbelievable pass to the corner of the end zone there at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And Alabama pulls off the miracle 27-24 win over their in-state rival, the Auburn Tigers. And as soon as that game went final, you knew that Daniel Moore, who if you're anywhere near the state of Alabama, you can't help but see Daniel Moore prints all over the place with all his work. And you knew that he would have this print. In fact, he just put out a social media post. Kiefer, get in here and get to work. Uh, you knew that something would happen. Kiefer's over there goofing off. Kiefer Ingalls now joining us here. Daniel Moore, does that name ring a bell to you? Daniel Moore, no, I don't think so. Have you ever been into the state of Alabama? Yes. Have you ever seen artwork of football players on offices and homes? You, that That doesn't sound... I don't think so. That doesn't seem familiar to you? Let me see what I can Daniel Moore. Okay, well, Daniel Moore, I know a little bit more, I guess, about Alabama than you do as a state, but especially on the sports teams. This guy has made a fortune off of uh, painting scenes of Alabama and sometimes Auburn football stuff, okay? Yeah, he has made a, a fortune. Yeah, he's. He, you know who he is if you're in Alabama. Well, Daniel Moore put out a – Social media post Wednesday that says, Wish granted Daniel Moore will be commemorating Milrow to Bond's miraculous grave digger grave play digger, baby. to claim the 2023 Iron Bowl victory. His pencil sketch will be posted upon completion in the next two weeks. Sign up for more details. So they even have the order form set up for this. And the social media post says, All you want for Christmas is for Daniel Moore to paint 4th and 31. I mean, yeah, that's that's probably true. So I'm looking for for a Daniel Moore original here, I'm trying to find one. How to, much they cost? I'm trying to find one to purchase. Yeah, I, I mean, Daniel's been doing this a long time. I guess his first artwork that caught my eye was 
commemorating that 1992 national championship for them. But, you know, Alabama really struggled there for a while in football. And some people I know used to have a Daniel Moore print in their bathroom when you go to their house. Really? They were Alabama fans. And the hot item of that time that they had proudly displayed in their home was the Alabama miraculous catch against Southern Miss. Do you remember that play? I do not. The guy caught the ball. It's a Daniel Moore. If you look up Daniel Moore, Southern print, Southern Miss print, you'll see what I'm talking about. But that was like the hot Daniel Moore item way back in the uh, Mike DeBose days, perhaps. It could have been Coach Shula. I'm liking this Daniel Moore Ole Miss print we got Oh, here. does he have? He does. He does have prints specifically for the uh, team that is known as the Sharks. I mean, take a, take a gander oh, at, that, yeah. at the print he did there. That, he did that one. That's a legendary yeah, print. Yeah, I didn't know this was Daniel Moore, but the, that, I mean, yeah, that's, that, a, that's a great print. He did. And, then, and then he did another version of it that had uh, more of the David Cutcliffe era. Oh, really? There's, there's two different versions of that print. Yeah, you're welcome, Kiefer. I'm your college football artist. In residence. But Daniel Moore, if you're a Bama fan, great news. It looks like you're going to have fourth and 31. Why, why is this play called the Grave Digger? Where did that come from? Uh, I don't know. Wherever it came from, though, I mean, pretty ice cold. Pretty ice cold. What were you doing when that play happened? Uh, watching it. What, uh, I'll what, tell you, what did I, you do? So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I was sitting there. You know, we're, we're, we're pulling for Alabama to win. Why? Um. Just because, and you know, we're watching the game, and I've I've got security cameras inside my house so that I can, when I'm gone, I can you know check up on things, watch the dogs, see what the dogs are doing, whatever. And uh, one of them is you know in my living room, and I'm watching on the big screen. And I, when I'm into the game, I'm standing up in front of the TV. We got like an 85 inch TV, and I'm standing about three feet. From now, which it. house are we talking about? You've got a couple of them. The one that I live in here, Jackson. Okay. Um, I'm standing right in front of the TV. You know, I'm watching it, and. The pass is completed, and I wish I could go back and get the security camera footage of me reacting to that ball being caught because it was I, – I literally did a sprint around my house, like in the, around the – a lap around the inside, through the kitchen, through the dining room, the front room, all around, screaming. Roll tide, baby. It was crazy. It's rolling. It was a big plate. Now, I happened to be in an area where I did not have broadcast television. So – Do you need my YouTube TV subscription? Would that give me the ability to watch CBS? Yes. Because isn't this the last year CBS has SEC? Yes. Okay. Well, only because the game was on CBS, if you weren't with one of these packages you're talking about or, or watching it off a broadcast station, you're out of luck. Yes. So someone who I'm extremely close to is a college football fan, and they went on YouTube trying to find, like, renegade broadcast of this CBS oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And you can find – the audio for CBS, but you can't watch the game yes. on different YouTube channels. But he also found the Auburn Broadcast booth. The Auburn Radio Network has a YouTube channel, and you can listen to their play-by-play and watch them. Watch the announcers? Watch the announcers. Yeah, yeah that's watch sick. The, watch the announcers. I love that. So that's what he had on that I was listening to when I was doing actual work while the Iron Bowl was going on and. On that play, when I heard him describe the pass, and then I didn't hear a massive roar, yeah, I heard some cheers, but not an absolute roar. I'm like, oh my goodness, Auburn, Auburn's going to lose this game, and, and indeed they did. But uh, that's how I, I didn't, I did not see it. I heard it, courtesy of the Auburn Radio Network. Yeah, it was a, it was an unbelievable finish, man. 
Yeah, it was. One and, of the better games of the year. And an, an example of why the Iron Bowl is the best college football rivalry. Yeah, you know, and going into that game, Auburn had been playing great. Bama had been playing pretty dang good. And uh, it's always played close, no matter the skill. I mean, I've spent many, many, many Iron Bowl Saturdays in the heart of Dixie. And you go to the grocery store, no matter where you are in that state, and almost everybody walking in there has got mostly Alabama shirts on, but there are plenty of Auburn stuff there as well. If you're not on Team Auburn or Team Alabama on Iron Bowl Saturday, then you're you're out of luck. And I was out of luck because I wasn't on either one of them. Yeah, so, so Hugh Freeze, you know, he's just the fourth and long plays for him have not gone well in his career. <laughs> he, he made that Ole Miss play against Arkansas – go into the ash heap of history because that was previously one of the worst plays in his coaching career. Yes, and it was always brought up, and now there's a new one. So. This one's worse than fourth, that one. Fourth and 31, thank you. At least on the uh, Arkansas play back in the, what, 2015 season? Yes. They still had to go on beyond that first down that they got and, and, and win the game. This one, it would have been over. It was fourth and goal from the 31, and Milrow – a did absolute dot. I mean, right to the corner. It was so gross. I heard that was the worst defensive call ever. Is that true? Was the Auburn defensive coordinator just asleep on that play? I mean, I, I, I'm no football coach. I'm no football savant, but <laughs> I probably would have done something different. You know, mm. that you know, at least give give Milrow a little bit of pressure. They 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 rushed two players, two players, two players on the line. Everyone else was covering deep. Um. Former Ole Miss Rebel quarterback Bo Wallace had a lot to say about the the did defense. He? Did he on Twitter? Yeah, he was you know critiquing. You talking about USJ coach? Uh yes. Okay, what did he say? I mean, he was just you know critiquing the that defensive play call in that last play. I mean, understandable. Yeah, a little bit more effort could have made Milrow get out of there quicker. But any effort, I'm not like you, a savant. Daniel Moore, there you go. There's that's what I want for Christmas. Is fourth and thirty one. How does that sound? Hey, I want it because I think I could turn around and resell it and make a lot of money. I want the original, man. I want a big he, one. He's got those. He he used to and may still have a Daniel Moore art gallery at the uh, at the shopping mall there in Hoover. Oh, really? That's a nice place. And he had his own little place there. And I bet you, I mean, people over there in Alabama, they, they love college football. And they just go crazy. South in general, man. I'm trying to figure out a good... Uh, but but that's, that's a whole other oh, level it's a new, it's another level. Yeah. there. I mean, they, they they literally... I mean, you see it no matter if you're not in Alabama. You you know those Alabama people that just constantly wear their Alabama stuff. Always talking about it. And then Auburn, to their credit, have held their own in a, in a lot of cases. By the way, this week I saw an interview with Tommy Tuberville, the senator for Alabama in his office there in Washington, D.C., and he's got an artwork, I believe, from Daniel Moore on his wall there in D.C., and it's all Auburn stuff. And I'm thinking all those Alabama people coming in there are going to probably try to vote him out of office soon if he doesn't take that down. I don't know if that will be the only reason they're trying to get him out of there, but who knows. <laughs> We're not done with Kiefer. Kiefer Ingalls joining us here on our – did you realize this is our 700th episode of the All Show? It. And we're going to keep the saw it on Facebook this morning. We're going to keep the party going. We're going to get speaking of a celebration. A bunch of teams will be celebrating conference championships come Saturday evening. Keeper's going to break it all down when our college football talk continues.
And that's the fight song of one of the best college football teams in the country this year, the Tulane Green Wave, with only one loss. And that was a tough loss in late in the fourth quarter against the University of Mississippi in a game of which they had their backup quarterback in. And in most years, I'd say Tulane might be right there in the conversation of making it into the playoff in most years. In but this most year, years. This is a different year this year. Kiefer Ingles is back with us here. We're going to continue talking college football. We've got championship weekend. And the Greenies at Yulman Stadium for the second year in a row are going to be hosting a championship game. Yep. SMU comes in for a battle this weekend to New Orleans. Yeah, SMU high scoring. However, their uh, quarterback Preston Stone is a little banged up and injured. I doubt he'll be playing in this game. So... I like Tulane to to get the victory and win that American Athletic Championship. Congratulations to Rhett Lashley, coach of the Mustangs. He picked up a nice little contract extension. Indeed. I remember when he was on the Auburn football staff a few years ago, and he's doing quite well there. I mean, SMU's been a really good stepping spot for coaches. Yeah, so I don't know. Other than the Arkansas guy. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Who? He was at uh, SMU, and then he got hired at Arkansas about four or five years ago. And he was a disaster? I don't know. He had been at Clemson. He was a Clemson uh, defensive guy, I think, or offensive guy. He goes to be SMU's coach, and then he gets hired at Arkansas and was a absolute failure. This was before Pittman. Chad Morris? Chad Morris, there you go. Wasn't you he know what at, I searched to find SMU's I just I searched Clemson, SMU, Arkansas coach. Yeah, Chad there he Morris. Is, Chad Morris. Well, what's he doing now there, Mr. College God, Football there no Sage? Tell, there's no well, telling. Look it up. Well, it's the old Chad Morris, You're, you're man. over here cheating. Uh, yeah, he's doing nothing. Doing okay. That's what happens. He's an offensive analyst for Clemson. Ah, okay. Speaking of former coaches at Arkansas, did you see Bobby Petrino last night? I did. Yeah, it's unbelievable that Arkansas is going back to old, old Bobby P. Yeah, as offensive coordinator, he was at Wednesday night's Duke Arkansas basketball game up there in the uh, press box with uh, Sam Pittman. I guess is who he was beside, and Petrino back in the Ozarks with the Hogs as an offensive coordinator. It's crazy, man. Do you think Jessica Durrell is still an employee of the of the university? That, I don't know. Or her fiancé. But you know. They also worked at the university. you think he's still there? That, I don't know. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> Arkansas, since that motorcycle crash, has not improved whatsoever in Have they, football. So, no, they haven't. I mean, that motorcycle crash was fresh off an 11-win season for the backs. <clears throat> and they have come nowhere close to that since then. I mean, I don't even think they've eclipsed eight since then. I don't think also, so. Also, terrible news, you know, for, for Razorbacks fans also. K.J. Jefferson um, transferring on out. Don't know where he's going yet. He's but in the portal? He will be in the portal. Is that open tomorrow? Ah, uh, no, it's open to it's open to, to enter it, whatever. I don't know. Okay. I don't know when. I know we got, there's a we got signing day about to show up here, the first, first of the two signing days. So he's going to enter the transfer portal. A lot of big quarterbacks enter the transfer portal, and one getting a lot of attention coming out of Mississippi State down there in Starkville, Will Rogers. So, you know, he played half the year this year. He was injured um, last year. The past two years he was in the air raid offense with Mike Leach, and this past year it was an offense that didn't really suit him. And, you know, he's one of the hottest commodities this year for uh, for transfer quarterbacks. I mean, word on the street is Miami's about to offer him a million five. Ah. A million five to go be a quarterback after having playing half a season. I just it's 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 inconceivable to me. I just can't get it. Well, you might want to start practicing your arm throws and all that. I'm telling you. Let's get back to championship talk. So Tulane and SMU. Tulane has only one loss on the season. Yep. 
They they are with Willie Fritz continuing to defy the odds, and they got a chance this weekend at home to win back to back American Conference titles. Remember, this is the same two lane Green Wave team that won their conference last year. Got a chance to go out to the Cotton Bowl, and yep. they had the best bowl game of anybody last season. And oh knocked, my gosh, it was unbelievable! Knocked off the Trojans of USC. What are you seeing this year in this particular conference championship? Uh, I mean, with SMU's quarterback being injured and out for this game, I, I see Tulane picking up the victory here. Tulane going to get back to a New Year's Six Bowl? Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. I mean, they're ranked 22nd right now. Um, we'll see. I'm hoping for them. I mean, who, I, don't, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the what their biggest bowl is for winning the conference championship. I'm not sure. Well, the question is, which, uh, which of the Power Six – Teams this year is the best because don't don't they get a spot in the New York New Year's Six? That's what I, I believe. So that's what I'm I'm not sure about. And it could fall to Tulane, which would be awesome, man. I'll let you awesome. let you look that up. Tell me about the Big Twelve this week. You got the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma State Cowboys able to hang on somehow against BYU last week, and now those two teams suiting up for the Big Twelve championship. Uh, Tulane would be the Peach Bowl. That's what they're projected here right now um, against Penn State. Well, that's a New Year's Year Six. Bowl. Yeah, good for so uh, Oklahoma State, you know they they've had the, the craziest up and down season of all time. They're they're nine and three. Lost to South Alabama. South Alabama, man, a loss to South Alabama on the record is crazy for a top twenty team. Um, Texas, though, um, this is their this is their last Big Twelve championship. You know they're they're definitely coming out there to, to take this thing and and run with it. If I had to guess, now Oklahoma State they're trying to play spoiler one hundred percent, and uh, this is their Super Bowl for this year. So they I haven't ex- really won a Big Twelve championship ever, have they? Well, I think it was either I, think, I believe it was two years ago they had that play on the goal line that would have sent them to the college football playoff, and they didn't get it and they lost. In the it Big a, Twelve it was a championship, Bedlam, the Bedlam game. Oh, okay. last play of the game, they were about to beat Oklahoma, and they were ranked like sixth. Oh. Should they had they gotten the fourth down and goal, they would have made the playoff, and it was it's been all downhill ever since then. Then you got Gundy getting flamed for watching OAN. You just can't win down there. No, Chuba, <laughs> Chuba, Chuba Hubbard gave him a little bit too much grief on that one, and now Chuba plays for a team that's one and ten in the NFL. Let's talk about the uh, so who you got in the Oklahoma State Texas game? I mean, I got Texas there. I think Texas rolls and wins the Big Twelve in their final year. All right, then they're off to the SEC. Let's move over to Conference USA. Oh, yeah, Conference USA. It's a Friday night game. Is it? Week. Yeah. Um, undefeated Liberty. New Mexico State, I believe. I think you're right. right. Yeah, yeah, Because New Mexico State clinched that. Yeah, the- okay, yeah. Undefeated Liberty, ranked 24th in the country. Um, New Mexico State, fresh off a great victory against Jacksonville State this past weekend, but also Auburn, 21-point victory the <laughs> week before. <laughs> Just absolute craziness. Um, don't sleep on the Aggies. Don't sleep on the Aggies. But Liberty, you know, they're twelve and zero. They 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 played one of the. There's 136 FBS teams, I want to say, and uh, Liberty's schedule is 133. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a team that's you know hasn't been challenged one time this this year so far. And New Mexico State, they're poised to do it. So I expect a, a nice little game uh, this Friday night. Starts at six. Did you see what Liberty did to celebrate their birth? Uh, in the championships, plus a undefeated regular season. I did not. So they played. They prayed. UTEP. They they played. No, they they didn't pray. They played. They played UTEP. Yeah, hired and, a new pool boy. Huh? They hired a new pool boy. That's funny. I know where you're going with that, Jerry Falwell, right? <laughs> yeah. No, they played down in El Paso. Junior. 
And, yeah, that's true. And they played at UTEP. And after the victory, they went into the locker room and there was a mariachi band. I did see this. That Jamie Chadwell had set up. Is he, is he going to get it hired anywhere? Heck no, dude. Heck no. His buyout's way too high. What is it, $30 million or something like that? At Liberty? Yeah, man. They hired him and gave him an absolute nuclear buyout. Let me just confirm the, the amount of that. Um, but Jamie Chadwell, he's a name that keeps popping up on all these all these hot boards for new coaches. But, like, who's going who's gonna to pay his buyout? I mean, who's going to pay his buyout? There's absolutely no way. So it'll be... He's the, getting $4 million a year right now. Undefeated Flames of Liberty against New Mexico State, one of the real surprises this year. And I was very happy for, you know, until that Auburn game, I, I had not realized I don't keep up with New Mexico State football that closely, but I didn't realize they had hired Coach Kill. And I remember from five, six years ago, he was the coach that was at Minnesota, and he had those seizures. Yes. And they had to, like, stop play during game because yes. he had these epileptic seizures. And so he's getting a chance to be a coach, and, boy, they've had a great season there sure in have, Las man. Cruces. Let's move on from the Conference USA talk to what's going on with the American – well, we talked about the American. What about the Sunbelt Conference? Sunbelt. Oh, 12 of the 14 see. teams are bowl eligible in the Sunbelt Conference, by really? the way. That's kind of crazy. Um, App State versus Troy. You know, Troy has one of the another one of the coaches on the hot board for most people. Sumrall, Coach Sumrall, native yeah. of Huntsville, Alabama. I used yes. to know his mama. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he played at Kentucky. He's a he's a definitely a hot name on the market right now. App State. You know, they've had a up and down season, but they won five in a row. So I mean, they're they're pretty hot right now as well. So I expect this game to be pretty dang good. App State. Did they knock off James Madison? Yes, they did Overtime. on the road Overtime. on that day that the college game day was there. Yep. You know. It's only right that they ruined James Madison's college game day experience as well because y'all don't know if you remember or not, App State got college game day and they fumbled it away too. So <laughs> they lost on their, their inaugural appearance. Mm, okay. Well, my team's never had college game day, so I don't feel too sorry for any of these people. So you got that going on with uh, Sunbelt Conference. Who are you going with on that? I go with Troy. Really? Coaching advantage there. Coach Summerall. Way to go. Uh, All right. Let's move on to the Atlantic Coast Conference. There you have the Florida State Seminoles going up against the U of L. Yeah, a lot riding on that game, man. I mean, Louisville, not much really left for them to be excited about other than keeping Florida State out of the playoff. They choked it away against Kentucky this past weekend. Florida State, though, they're quarterbackless. Um, they've got Rotomaker. Rod- I don't really even know how you say his last name. Rod- Rotomaker? I don't know. Not good. Uh, not Jordan Travis, at least. Uh, they're 12-0. and They're undefeated. They're fighting for a playoff spot. If they win this game... How do you take them out of the top four? I don't know, but they—I mean—they're not clearly they're not one of the best teams in the country without their star player. Well, they had a guy from Lausanne High School quarterback in form the other day. Did you see that? No, oh, I did. Was it Rotomaker? It's the third string guy. Oh, the third he's, string. He's from guy. the Memphis area. He is technically from maybe from Covington, Tennessee, but he went to what is it Lausanne? Lausanne, yeah. Private school in the Memphis area, and I thought he did pretty good. He's a freshman, I think. But FSU expected to win that one there. and uh, Brock Glenn. Brock straight Glenn. Out of, straight out of Covington, Tennessee, 6'2", 213. Yep. Yep. He looked not bad for a, a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> freshman there at FSU. All right, let's talk about the uh, Pac-12. Pac-12, do we Pac-12. have to? Yeah, I was trying to well, avoid it's Friday that. night. All right, all right. It's Friday night. You got a rematch. Yeah, you got Oregon good. and Washington. Yeah, whoever wins the game goes to the playoffs. Bo Nix yep. and Penix. Yep, NIX game. Oh, yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. Yeah. The Knicks game, they're playing in 
Vegas? Vegas. Yeah, going to be an absolute crazy game for sure. One of the better ones. We're playing at Allegiant Stadium, one of the better conference uh, championships. Um, Oregon's favored by 10. I think, I think the, I don't know if 10. I think Oregon's 10, favored. Yeah, I think 10. They're the a, team that lost to Washington. They are. Right? They are. But Oregon's been shredding defenses ever since, and Washington's looked a little sketchy. So I think it's going to be a great game for that, sure. I'm going with Oregon. Ducks coach is pretty sharp for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. So, so Nike, got- Nike and Oregon, they did a great thing when they hired him. You know, he's got a, he doesn't really have that much of a buyout from Oregon, but he's got like $50 million in Nike shares that he only gets if he's the coach of Oregon. Hmm. So he's locked. I mean, he's locked in. Now, what a smart move. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll see uh, – maybe you could see a Under Armour kind of thing. Under Armour CEO do that with Auburn. Or Mar- Maryland. Maryland, they need to improve Maryland first, which is Kevin Plank's alma mater. All right, so you're going with Oregon, you said, in that one? Yep. In the, in the Knicks NIX Bowl? Yep. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten, where Big you Ten, got yeah. Michigan and Iowa. Michigan and Iowa, man. I bet Iowa probably is not going to score, and Michigan's probably going to score about twice and run the ball about 50 times, and it's going to be the most boring game on the slate. Don't even waste your time tuning in. All right, thank you for your honesty, Kiefer Ingles. So that takes us to the Southeastern Conference Championship game, and this is a this is a heck of a matchup. This may be the best SEC championship we've maybe ever had. That's maybe pushing it a little bit, but you got two teams that finished flawless in the SEC going up against each other mm-hmm. in Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, it's gonna be um it's gonna be a knockdown one for sure. Georgia's looked great. Alabama's looked great the past couple of weeks, aside from the Auburn game. But Georgia, I mean they just keep reloading, they keep looking good, man. Everybody on their team looks good, defense looks good, offense looks good. They're re signing people for next year. They're Carson Beck, you know he, he's a he's a senior. I had no idea that he's coming back next year. They're they're gearing up a huge NIL deal for him. I mean, th- we may not just be talking about a three peat here. We're gonna be talking about a four peat next year. So I mean, I don't think Georgia's gonna take much smoke from Alabama. But to Georgia's credit, I, I've been surprised by how well they've started to increase their play here at the tail end of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a little bit of a struggle against Tech this past weekend, but Tech's come on. Pretty well here at the end of the season. Surprisingly so, man. Tech did look great the last half of the season. So we'll find out again in Atlanta who your SEC champion. Let's let's say Alabama wins. They're, are they going to make it to the playoff? Just, it just depends on te- how Texas – I mean, even if, if Texas wins their conference championship and Alabama wins their conference championship, it's still got to be Texas going in over them. You think? It's got to be. All right, we'll we'll see. It, it won't be, but it's got to be. And of course, if Georgia wins, Alabama won't be into the playoff. Any chance any other SEC team can sneak in there? No, no. no. Mizzou's the next uh, highest ranked one. They're at nine. Um, they're looking at getting the Cotton Bowl right now. Um, but if Alabama makes the playoff, the Mizzou, I believe, be going to the Sugar Bowl. And Ole Miss be going to the Cotton Bowl. Ooh, so four teams, SEC and the New Year's Six, no. if that happened. No. But you got to get Alabama and Georgia both in the playoff for that. Sugar Bowl's highest-ranked non-playoff SEC team. So, All right, let's talk a little FCS playoffs, let's if do you it. don't mind. Let's do it. you got Richmond, the Spiders, going to Albany with a matchup this weekend in upstate New York. The Penguins of Youngstown State will be at Villanova in this latest round of the FCS playoff. The Furman Paladins, they'll be hosting their SoCon foe, the Chattanooga Mocs, this weekend there in Greenville, South Carolina. South Dakota's got Sacramento State coming in for a game. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, have the Mercer Bears 
coming into Brookings, South Dakota for a Saturday afternoon contest. Montana State's Bobcats welcome in North Dakota State, the Bison hitting the road to Bozeman, Montana. Then you also have Montana and Delaware. Delaware, by the way, announcing this week they're going to move up to the Conference USA ranks of FBS, Joe Biden University. Good luck to you. Yeah. And then you've got Idaho, the Vandals, now playing FCS football. They've got the Salukis of Southern Illinois coming into Moscow, Idaho. you got also this weekend the SWAC championship there in Tallahassee. The Rattlers of FAMU have Prairie View A&M going up in that FCS contest. But you've got some good FCS fun. Any, uh, any observations on any of those FCS matchups? I like Youngstown State to win. Do you? And... Of course, I like Chattanooga to win. They're playing Villanova and the Mocs. Yeah, Villanova, man. We you, you, you never – they're a basketball school. We're but they've won a national championship. I remember they have. In, in football. But I remember seeing uh, Chattanooga last week with a very, very moxie win over their in-state foe, Austin P. Great game. Great game for, for, for them in Clarksville. But they'll be in Greenville taking on the Purple Paladins, the SoCon champions – the same conference that Chattanooga plays in this weekend. Kiefer, always good to talk football with you. Yes, sir. And have a wonderful weekend of college football's championship weekend, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate uh, you having me on, my man. We'll have you on next week to break down Army-Navy. Love it. And other gossip. By the way, speaking of gossip in college football, Riley Leonard of Duke announcing that he's entering the, the transfer. Portal. Where's he going? Don't know. Don't know. I'd could, like he be to... going, could he be going to Texas A&M? Could be. Could, could he be, be going to Mississippi State? Uh, maybe so. Hail State. More of the Y'all Show coming right up. It's episode 700. Houston. Houston means that I'm one day closer to you. Oh, honey, Houston. Houston means the last day of the And we're going to wrap up this 700 episode of the Y'all Show with Houston on our mind. Thank you, Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin Brothers, because we're going to wrap things up. A little social media fun coming in from TT, the X account, J-U-S-A-S-K, just ask underscore Tyra. Thank you, Tyra. Tyra puts out today to us, Houston and New Orleans have the best food in the United States. That's a hill I'm willing to die on. That's a heck of a statement. TT on X. Houston and New Orleans, best food in all of the land. Well, guess what? Chris is a chef and a culinary enthusiast, and he is uh, disputing her because he adds a few more towns to the list. How about, according to Chris, some of the best food towns in the United States? Jackson, Mississippi. Lafayette, Louisiana, Memphis, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama, Austin, Texas, Columbia, South Carolina, San Antonio, Texas, Orlando, Florida, St. Louis, Missouri, and down in the Coastal Empire, Savannah, Georgia. Those are Chris's takes on the uh, best food spots in the United States, and he claims on X to be a chef and culinary enthusiast. At ChefMade underscore 92 is his account. Hey, I ain't going to fight either one of these folks. I like all the food coming from all of those hot spots. 
of the Southeast. Well, that wraps up our show. Thank you again for riding along with us here on Episode 700. We've had a great time. Thank you to our partners, our affiliates, our podcast listeners, our sponsors. Thank you to our station owners. Thank you to Miss Hannah, Hannah Banana, helping promote us today. And thank you for your your great, kind words and for listening. We're going to keep on doing the Y'all Show. It's Talk with a Southern Accent right here, powered by y'all.com. We will see you Friday. It'll be a whole new month, y'all. Take it away, Larry. Houston, Houston means that I'm one day closer to you.